but it's all about sort of finding what supports different people. So some people might be into the drawing, other people might be more into talking things through. But I'm also a big believer in, and the research is also out there to show that the small pockets of rest or small pockets of connecting in with yourself is what helps to get us through the day. It's just about getting out of the busyness, out of the stress, and just sort of pausing and connecting in with yourself for those small little pockets of time. Hi, I'm Minky Funderbolt, a registered music therapist, trauma therapist, and professional supervisor, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. There's a lot of information out there about how to support mental health and well-being in the workplace, but today's episode offers something a little bit different. Our guest today is Minky Vandervolt, who works with health and education professionals to shift their experience, particularly during times of high stress. Minky is a qualified music therapist and guided imagery therapist with a special interest in working with helping professionals. Today's episode looks at how the brain works to try and protect us during high-stress times, but how that can backfire when stress is maintained over long periods of time, like the last two years. We get to hear how music and art therapy works and even experience a little bit of it ourselves through the course of the episode. I think you are really going to enjoy this conversation. Here's Minky. Thanks for joining us on the show today, Minky. It's great to have you here because it does promise to be a very interesting chat. Music and art therapy is not maybe something that's traditionally associated with a pharmacy setting, but as we go along today, I think there is a lot that you can offer our listeners and perhaps a lot that you actually have in common in terms of treating patients and looking for great outcomes for them. So let's just start with a little bit of an introduction from you, a little bit about yourself and how you came to be focused on tempo therapy. Thanks for having me here, Daniel. I've always played music and I've always liked being around people and had a bit of a curiosity uh, into how people tick, I guess, and um, was studying music at um, University of Melbourne when I first heard about music therapy, which I had never heard of before. So my ears pricked up and I, I wondered what that was all about and really just fell in love from there really found my people found my passion and um, then for many years worked in across a range of different areas in the medical settings in education settings as well as in community services and I guess for a long time worked with mental health and uh, trauma and uh, working with families at risk And then as I worked more and more in that area, I I noticed not only the impact on myself, but the impact on the professionals working with people going through a lot of stress. And that's really where Tempo was born. So Minky, you're a musician and an artist, a creative person, and you've set up your business all about focused on helping others. And it's an interesting journey, but perhaps one that our listeners who are clearly pharmacists can relate to quite strongly, that focus on helping clients, helping patients in their community. What does a a day in the life of Minky look like at Tempo Therapy? How do you structure your day and what do you do specifically? Well, I think it's probably very similar to what most other health professionals do as far as the day in the life goes. 
I have admin that I need to attend to, answering phone calls, looking at emails, writing up case notes. Um, I have meetings with other with other um, professionals, with other teams, um, as well as having individual appointments. So my, my work is split really between um, the work I do with Tempo and I also work for uh, a, a family violence counselling service. So I work with um, very stressed, uh, traumatised young people and parents. So doing that work as well as then my Tempo work, which is much more looking at how to support health professionals uh, in their day-to-day work, supporting them to how to manage chronic stress uh, and also running groups, uh, sometimes during the day, sometimes in the evening, just as a bit of a supportive practice to to broaden things out a little. No doubt our listeners, as am I, to be honest, very keen to get into the specifics of how you work with clients and patients. But before we go there, I thought it might be pertinent to just tick off or, or, or discuss what it was that drew you to work with pharmacists and other medical and education professionals in particular. What What's the link? Well, that is a good question. And there's a personal answer as well as a professional answer for that. So for quite a few years, I used to work at a private psychiatric hospital where I uh, ran a support group for uh, adults with chronic mental illness. And it was a three and a half hour group. And I really loved the group. It was a music therapy group. And I just found that when I'd finished those groups, after three hours of supporting and holding that group, I just felt completely wiped out and just could could barely talk and I almost had to write off my whole day. And I started, I decided to apply some of my own uh, advice and, and I started um, just taking the time after those groups to just put on a piece of music for five to ten minutes, turn off all the lights, turn off the phone and just lay on the ground and just let that music be with me for ten minutes. And Daniel, the, the transformation that I experienced was just amazing. It just it just sort of really gave a full stop to that um, to that time and just gave me energy and an ability to, you know, be able to enjoy the rest of my day. So I think it can be really powerful in, in that sense. Um, and having had that own my own experience, I just thought, you know, this is something that other health professionals need to know about. And I think if I can um, answer it from a professional perspective as well. Uh, I was in a role working as a trauma therapist for quite some years where I would be attending care team meetings at schools and supporting uh, teachers and other health professionals in the care team to understand, you know, what a child might need or to try and have a a trauma-informed lens for that child. And just, you know, sometimes these meetings, you just go there and there'd be teachers just crying and really emotionally impacted by holding. Sometimes they were the only sort of stable person for that child. And so just sort of stepping away from that and and thinking, you know, there's a real gap here in the space to offer supports in a group sense, one-on-one, but also there's a whole lot of tools that people can implement in their day-to-day that can just take two minutes, five minutes, that can be really supportive. You gave a little sneak peek into what therapy is about with your own experiences there. So I'm keen to get into some more detail to go into it a bit further now into how you specifically work with your clients and this is where it will get really interesting for our listeners who may not have had exposure to therapy like this in the past, either from a personal or professional perspective. So 
I'm curious about the experience of a session with you. Can you take us through it? And it'd be great if you could, if you're able to, let us know about any great results from sessions or experiences from sessions that you've had. There's a lot of information. We all know that stress is held in the body these days. Um, and we know it in our heads and we can feel it in our bodies. But, you know, when we're stressed, we just sort of push on through. Some people refer to it as a bit of a floating head syndrome in our society where when we're stressed, we just sort of keep pushing through to manage that next to-do list or whatever we have coming. And, you know, it's nearly the end of the year. I'll just keep pushing through. And so what I like to work with, Daniel, is to just help people to notice what's happening for them in the here and now. So I'd maybe even invite you and the listeners here today just to sort of stop and check in with yourself, you know, what's what's happening now. I am aware as I'm talking that my, you know, my, my shoulders are a little bit tense. Um, I'm a little bit nervous, so I can feel a little bit of a flutter around my heart. But if I sort of allow myself to to notice those things and to sit with them, I can... I can feel a bit of space and a, and a bit of ease there. You've just made me sit more upright in my chair because I've got terrible posture and I'm rocking back in my chair with slumped shoulders. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. And so so that feeling of being able to adjust to something more comfortable, to something that maybe your body needs, it's it's helping us to become aware of what's happening in the moment. So we know that... Um, that a lot of the creative arts and music and embodied practices enable us to directly connect in with those experiences that are out of our conscious awareness. And so that's that's really what it's about. It's about finding, you know, what colour, if you think about your shoulders or if your listeners think about their, their shoulders, you know, is there a colour that comes to mind that might reflect how they're feeling? Are they feeling tense? You know, maybe it's a black or a red and, and everyone's different. Some people relate to colour, some people don't. But And, and then what might that expression look like? Um, and similar with music, is there some music that might match what you're experiencing and then allow that to flow through? Um, so I guess an example would be recently I was I was talking with somebody who had an, a really very stressful situation at work and she was talking a lot about it and describing all the detail, but she was staying in quite an activated, agitated state. And I invited her just to notice what that felt like. And she said she just felt really frustrated and her shoulders were tight. So then, you know, I invited her to choose a colour. She chose red. And then I put on some music that was quite energetic and uh, I guess had a, quite a charge to it and then invited her just to allow the the pen to make the marks on the page with the music and so she was able to sort of release that frustration into the page and to look at it and just notice what that what that looks like and then I said to her what would you what would the opposite of that be what would you prefer and she she chose a green color and and then was able to sort of draw something that was a bit more relaxing and she said she felt that shift inside her so that's just one one little snippet I guess it really depends on on who the person is and what they bring sometimes I work with movement um so I actually had a bit of a session with some juggling balls recently where the uh, professional came in and and was they just was so wound up they could barely talk and so we just went upstairs and threw some balls at the wall for a while initially initially really hard and then just a bit slower and then a bit slower again and then it was like oof 
can, you know, they're able to take a breath and just sort of recalibrate a little. I'm cu- I've got a lot of questions and I've got a, a list of talking points here that I, I want us to go through and, and relating it back to pharmacy. But if I put my listener hat on, listening to you just then, I've got a few questions. Do you have like a, a list of music that you generally go to or uh, is there like a playlist, so to speak, for uh, when you're using music? Is there a playlist, so to speak, where you think, yes, that's going to be, you know, for shoulders that are red for somebody that's angry or, you know, d- is it more matched to the person? Would I maybe get the Foo Fighters or Midnight Oil? H- how do you pick the music? The research is very clear that it's always about the person's preference. So I would never apply something, for for want of a better word. It would always be a conversation and a collaborative effort in finding what suits. But it is important to match the the energy state, if you like. And when I say energy state, you know, you're not – people are familiar with this, I think, in terms of you're not going to put on a piece of music to relax and go to sleep. It's a different sort of music that you would use to go for a run or if you're going out on a Saturday night. So it's sort of pulling out those elements. I mean, there's a lot of research showing what induces physiological relaxation are the stepwise descending melodies, orchestral music, long, slow phrases, those sorts of things. Whereas if somebody's quite agitated, we need something a bit more upbeat or a bit more something like your midnight oil, for example. You just spoke about the gentleman who was quite wound up, throwing ten, uh, throwing balls at the wall was a good process. The lady carrying stress in her shoulders, red music, drawing on the paper. The session itself sounds like it's a great outcome. How do those clients then apply what you're working with them through and, and giving them tools when they leave you? How do, how do they carry that on when they leave your practice? A lot of what we do in session is talk about how the nervous system works. So we talk about, often I love talking about polyvagal theory with clients because I think it's a really great way to understand how um, our nervous system is working and and how what sort of supports we might need. So there's a bit of psychoeducation that is involved in terms of um, the stress response cycle and, and how people can meet their need and then release it. But it's all about sort of finding what what supports different people. So some people might be into, you know, the drawing. Other people might be more into talking things through. Um, but I'm also a big believer in and um, the, the research is also out there to show that the small pockets of rest or small pockets of connecting in with yourself is what helps to get us through the day uh, you know, whether it's mindfulness, it's just about getting out of the the busyness, out of the stress and just sort of pausing and connecting in with yourself for those small little pockets of time. It's a good point because in everybody's life, there's always a next job or a next task or a next place to be. And so taking those moments is important. You've touched on it a, a, a little bit, the, uh, the, the, the science and, and the theory there. Let's delve into that a little bit more because it sounds like you have some great results with your clients, which is fantastic. And many of our listeners are obviously pharmacists or they work in a a pharmacy. And so they're interested in the mechanics and the science behind the theory. What's happening perhaps cognitively or or emotionally that's bringing about change in people's minds when you go through a, a session or multiple sessions with them? 
That's an interesting question and um, I'm happy to talk about that in a way that is easy to understand but I want to preface it by saying (laughs) that it's very simplistic and – but, but I think it's really useful to talk in, in easy to understand language. So we know that the brain develops from the bottom up. Um, and so we have all of our survival responses in our brainstem. And uh, then if we move up from the brainstem into sort of movement parts of our brain, um, we have, and then we have the, the limbic system, which is the emotional center of our brain. And it also houses some of the key survival um, parts of our brain. So we have the amygdala, which is often referred to as the smoke alarm of the brain. So it's always on the lookout for danger. Those parts of the brain, if you imagine them like a four-story building, I've only mentioned three of them, but we've got the survival brain, if you like, movement brain and emotional brain. And then on top of that, we have our uh, cortex which is our thinking or executive functioning part of our brain. So we've got those four stories in the building, if you like. The first three levels, the survival, the movement, the emotions, they're all out of our conscious awareness. And the thinking part of our brain is is obviously part of our consciousness and what we're aware of. When we're stressed, we know from the fight or flight response that our thinking response goes completely offline when we're really stressed because if a car's coming towards me and I stop to think about what's going to happen, what the best path will be for me to get to safety, by the time I've thought through all of the options, I'll be sadly squashed. So our thinking brain goes out the window and we just go into survival mode. That's our emotions, it's our behaviour, it's our sensations and, and that's really what I work with. It's those parts of the brain. It's the survival mode um, and emotions and body sensations. So once we are able to bring um, those parts of the brain into a calmer, more regulated, more flexible state, that's when we're able to find the shifts, I find. And as I mentioned before, because um, art, music, movement and anything somatically involved um, directly engages with those parts of the brain. That's why we have the shifts that we have. Speaking of shifts and, and focus, let's shift the focus a little to be on pharmacists in particular. I'm wondering if you could talk to how these ideas, theories and, and techniques can be applied in the average busy pharmacy so that they may also add value to the community. Just even being mindful of taking three or four minutes here and there is really important. I know that, you know, pharmacists face a lot of stress face-to-face. They're on the, the front line there and they can often, often be sort of angry people coming and there's, there's quite a, a high demand. And so even just being able to step aside for a couple of minutes and giving yourself that space is important. So music can be a really important tool for health professionals on the go or anyone on the go really because it's, it provides its own container. So you can choose a piece of music that goes for three minutes, for two minutes, for five minutes, and it's you don't have to keep checking your watch to see when it's finishing because you just know it's when that the end of that piece comes. So it, it provides that predictability, familiarity, and its own neat container. So I think music can be really powerful in that way. People can find music that they like. They can make their own playlists if they're that sort of uh, way inclined to find music that supports them in those moments 
Would the approach be to, as you just said then, a playlist and in, in certain moments pick a song from that playlist or would you just always try and use the same song maybe for, say, four to six weeks or just forever? Because I'm just curious about whether you just you just pick a song and anchor to that or, or, or you need to change depending on how you're feeling at that point, whether you're frustrated or angry or stressed or tired. I think it depends really. Like people can have their their playlists for certain situations, but it can also be useful to use one piece of music for a particular need over a period of time because then it helps us to, it helps our bodies and our minds to get familiar with the outcome. So I think what's important to keep in mind is that idea of meeting meeting yourself where you're at. So if you're really, again, if we go to just as an example, you're not going to use something really slow and relaxed to go for a run. Um, so it would be sort of keeping those things in mind. If you're feeling really agitated, perhaps putting something on that's going to meet that agitation that might slow down a bit, for example, or it, it depends how things work for you. It's, it's very much an individual. Good point. I'm curious about in your practice or, or maybe just your personal observation, what you are seeing across the healthcare industry that perhaps concerns you as a trend or that is different now compared to, to pre-COVID. What signs are you seeing that our listeners may want to be aware of either in themselves or even in their staff in a pharmacy? Worker shortages is a huge thing nationally and across multiple sectors. So that's and that then leads to placing a lot of stress uh, on the staff who remain. So that's a huge thing, and I, I know I've heard from a number of pharmacists that that is also an issue in this area. Obviously, if you're under stress and you're feeling a need to meet the demand, then that leads to, um, you know, stress, agitation exhaustion and then which can also lead to burnout and compassion fatigue and those sorts of areas. So I think the the vicarious impacts of helping work can really um, take a toll and I think that's increased, you know, three and a half years into the pandemic on the back of, uh, you know, floods and, and fires that happened a few years ago. So I think I think all these things are are there and building and and increasing if you like because the the pressures are increasing. Do you think people are asking for the help they need? Are they aware and committing to to action and change? And if not, when they don't, what what do you think stops them? I think it's really hard for people in helping roles to ask for help, and I in fact interviewed a number of. Uh, health and education professionals at the end of last year to ask what gets in the way. And I can tell you um, the four things that came out of those interviews were one is lack of time. So the staff shortages due to resignations and everyone leaving just means, you know, sometimes they just can't, they feel like they can't fit in the time for themselves. Um, Helping professionals have difficulty reaching out for help. So they have this attitude of, you know, pushing through and other, always putting other people first. Sometimes there can be a real stigma. I mean, I think that's improving, but there can be a real stigma around not, not being seen as not coping. Um, the third one was a lack of leadership or management support. So, you know, there's there's a real, we have systems issues and, and I think a lot of the pressure that, health professionals are under our systemic and organisational issues and 
um, you know, broader societal issues really. Uh, so that's that's when, and then then general overwhelm and exhaustion. So when we're overwhelmed and exhausted, you know, even if we know it's going to help us, it's really hard for us to put, add another thing to our list. Um, particularly when we look at, you know, this pattern of struggling to reach out for help, which, you know, in the in the informal interviews that I undertook, people, the health professionals that I spoke to said that they had had lifelong messages of putting other people first. So I think that's a real struggle and something that is quite particular to people in helping roles. Minky, there might be hopefully more than a few of our listeners who are relating to what you've spoken about today and who are perhaps ready to start doing some small things or maybe they're going to go all in, they're going to do some bigger things to help themselves while they help others in their community. Let's start with the small things. What do you recommend is a good small place to start, a good first step, something to get some early wins and some momentum? I think just choosing one thing. And we all know all the things that we need to do. So, but but it's actually putting them into practice that is difficult. So maybe just choosing one small thing that you know works for you, whether it's going for a 10-minute walk, whether it's, you know, making sure that you do meet up with a friend once a week or um, if you do decide to, you know, do some music listening or um, anything else that feeds you, those are the things that are really important. And finally, Minky, tell us about your upcoming programs for pharmacists. What are you planning and, and how can our listeners find out more? Yes, well, I've got lots of really exciting things planned for 2023. I uh, am opening up some more times for individual appointments. I also have some uh, support sort of supervision groups for health professionals. So those are groups that meet monthly. People sign up for a six-month period so that we can build that trust and people can sort of begin to feel safe in the group. And those groups really look at you know, the impacts of work on you, as well as exploring some of these creative um, and embodied ways of supporting yourself and understanding what you might need. And then I've also got a, um, it's called Replenish. It's a 10-week burnout recovery program. And that's really specifically designed for people to come for this 10-week period where we look at how to build in some rejuvenation and how to really support you to learn how to unwind, to meet your needs, to find better ways to be able to sleep, all of those sorts of things. Um, and that's that's starting up in, in February next year. And Minky, obviously we're going to have links in the show notes, but for people listening now, wh- where can they go to get more information on those things? My website is tempotherapy.com.au. They can also find me on Instagram. I think my uh, username is at tempo.therapy. I'm also on, on Facebook and LinkedIn. Minky Vanderwald, absolutely fascinating discussion around therapy. So thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your expertise and advice around therapy and how it can help our listeners and their communities. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm really passionate about talking about anything to do with helping health professionals to keep on doing the work they love without burning out. Today's episode has been a real breath of fresh air and has offered a different approach and variation on the theme of, hey, just take a deep breath. If today's episode has sparked curiosity in you or it's something you want to explore for yourself or your colleagues, there is plenty to get involved with. Minky's 
Replenish program is a 10-week program starting in February 2023, so next year, and it's designed especially for helping professionals who can sign up for a more sustained time frame, building trust and experiencing the benefits of the course over a 10-week period. It's an investment that could potentially have impacts reaching beyond your pharmacy. For more information, simply head to tempotherapy.com.au and head to the services tab. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 112 of the PBCN podcast. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.